Today we're going to talk about player engagement and flow state. to the 32nd episode of the Game Dev Field Guide. I am your host, Zachavelli. If you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. That's at underscore Zachavelli underscore. We also have an open community Discord. I'll leave the link in the show notes. And we've just started our May monthly game jam. So go check it out. Go participate in the monthly game jam. Rate the games from last month's game jam. And yeah, just jump onto the Discord server and interact with our awesome community. Today's topic is also picked by the patrons. Every month there is a poll on the Patreon for what an episode topic that I should cover should be. And today's is the patron's pick. If you'd like to become a patron and vote in these polls and directly support the community and sponsor a third episode every month, I'll leave a link to the Patreon in the show notes. With that, let's jump over to the Game Dev Challenge. The Game Dev Challenge is the part of the show where I provide a prompt for the listeners to practice their skills, send in submissions, and we have a winner every episode. Last episode's Game Dev Challenge was to pitch an idea for a properly scoped companion character. And last episode, we talked about the things that make companion characters bad, like escort missions and characters tied directly to the win state. And so, yeah, the winner of the episode 31 Game Dev Challenge is Harmon. Harmon's post says, This challenge perfectly fits a game idea I had once. You are the companion to a superhero. Your job is to do everything except fight. Find the villains, discover their weakness, give gadgets to your superhero... Scout the combat site, guide them through combat, prepare a trap for the enemy, pick up the hero's body if they get beaten, handle the politics, etc. Story-wise, Harmon had the idea and said, the hero is probably dismissive of you until you show that you are much more important than they realize. This post got a lot of votes, and I think rightfully so. It's a really cool idea, and it definitely fixes some of the problems that we mentioned uh, with companion characters. The first one being that it's bad when your companion character is fragile. And in this case, if you're the Robin Hood to Batman, um, you're not exactly worried about Batman being fragile, right? You definitely have to assist him, but you can focus on your own things and don't. And Batman can take care of himself, right? So I really like these ideas where in these companion games where you support a technically stronger character than yourself but you have to do all the other little support things this really helps um or i think really speaks to the people who like to play support characters anyways maybe someone who plays like a healer in an mmo and so to me this is kind of that similar experience just in a single player format plus it's just a cool story you know the hero's dismissive of you until as it goes along, they realize you're more important. I just think it's a really cool idea, and so did a lot of other people. And that is why Harmon is the episode 31 Game Dev Challenge winner. For this episode's Game Dev Challenge, I want you to draw out, animate, or describe 
a Final Fantasy-style summon. Go crazy creative with it to really up the spectacle factor. Later in today's episode, we're definitely going to talk about Final Fantasy summons and the spectacle that they are. But for this, I realized, like, animating an entire thing, that's a lot of work. And if you're capable of that, you know, go do it. You will definitely win (laughs) if you animate a whole sequence. But because I want to be respectful of people's time, a really good description or maybe just some drawings of like the key moments with maybe a little bit of a description I think would be a suitable submission as well. This is one where you really can go deep with your creativeness and yeah I guess the key thing is the spectacle of it and we're going to talk about why that's important later in the show. Speaking of later in the show let's jump over to the body of the episode. So today's episode is about player engagement and flow state. We talked about engagement, uh, some in progression and I think in the difficulty episode, uh, but we never really focused solely on the idea of engagement. Engagement, in my mind, is the measure of how into the game the player is. Like, how much are they focused on the game and that they are playing? A mobile game that's like a cookie clicker is what I would consider a low engagement, um, maybe like an idle game too. These would be low engagement games. And an intense competitive shooter is something that I would consider to be high engagement. Games will generally fall all over the spectrum uh, as a whole, but also within the game. You know, there might be some parts of the game that are more engaging than others. And the reasons for these differences in engagement will also be different. For instance, Call of Duty and Civilization are two totally different experiences, and yet you still find yourself getting lost in them and losing track of time while playing. They're both engaging. Civilization has that one more turn feel, while Call of Duty has that constant stream of unlocks. I think there is maybe a place for low engagement or idle games, Um, but what I'm going to be focusing on in this episode and what I think most games should shoot for is kind of the more the high engagement style. And I know we talked about this in the progression and loot design episode, at least I think it was that episode, Uh, but high engagement is not the same thing as addictive. Designing a game that is intentionally addictive um, can take you down kind of a dark path, and it definitely has some negative implications once you really start thinking about it. And I actually discovered this firsthand as I used to make mobile games uh, with like the goal of keeping the player sucked in. In fact, there's probably like an alternate reality where I continued down this dark path and I'm like a slot machine designer or something. But that's not this reality. So I would say that I'm going to give some tips for making engaging games and not addictive games. And the at-a-glance difference to me is that an engaging game keeps the player's attention while they are playing or that makes them want to play. And an addicting game is made to keep the player's attention while they aren't playing and don't want to play. So I hope that distinction kind of helps. It's not exactly a hard line, and there's definitely some gray area. But in my opinion, if you focus on the positive side of things, where you want to just make sure that people are really in the moment when when you're playing their game, they're really appreciating it, and they're wanting to play because they love the experience and not because you've, like, tricked them into a loss aversion or some kind of Skinner box thing or... Yeah, I think you just focus on the positive things and you'll be all right. 
So what makes an engaging game? Well, the first thing I think is avoiding boredom. And we're definitely going to have some crossover with the difficulty, designing difficulty episode. But I think difficulty and engagement go hand in hand. So we want to avoid boredom. Generally, boredom happens when the player's skill is greater than the challenge they are faced with. Now, there are some nuances to this. Let's talk about MMOs with a grind or maybe a more passive playstyle. This is where we get into the idea of how low engagement games have a place, maybe. Like, is fishing in WoW or doing skills in RuneScape engaging? To me, not really, because it's you're just pressing a button and something's happening. But it's a nice passive thing to occupy yourself while you multitask, like talking to friends or watching TV. And <laughs> I don't mean to have the RuneScape people come after me. I know it's not as simple as just pressing a button to do something. There's a lot of strategy and skill and stuff to it, but you know what I mean. It has a more passive play style, which is fine when, you know, you're doing other stuff. Maybe you're talking to friends. I know when I was little, RuneScape was like the coolest thing ever because it was where all of our friends could meet up and it was nice to just have something to do while we talked. So that's all to say that the intentionally low challenge, non-engaging stuff I think has a place. But if your goal is to make it engaging, you have to make sure that you are properly challenging the player. And you're likely only going to figure this out by playtesting and getting feedback from playtesters. So next, let's talk about the other extreme where the challenge is too far above the player's skill level. This will result in frustration. Frustration is another thing that will break the player's engagement. Just like boredom, it comes from mismanaging um, the skill to challenge ratio. Some people, like myself personally, I don't mind an extra challenge, and I tend to like a little bit more challenging, like more punishing games. And on the opposite extreme, I know there are a lot of people out there who don't mind things being a little too easy. Maybe they're into games where the story is the focus, and they just want to play easy mode so they can do the story. The leeway with where that sweet spot is, that skill to challenge ratio, that's going to largely depend on your target audience and genre. So when trying to dial this in, make sure who is playing your game is a factor in your calculation when you're trying to figure it out. And yeah, for more information about the game's difficulty and progression and engagement and progression and loot design, I suggest you go reference episodes 8 and 12. Next, let's talk about visual engagement. I like to call this the spectacle factor. A game with a high spectacle factor is just so interesting to look at that you can't look away. It's engaging because you're in awe of what's happening on the screen. An example of this might be like a fatality in Mortal Kombat, or one of my personal favorites when you do a summon in Final Fantasy. When you do a summon in Final Fantasy, from a gameplay standpoint, it's basically press a button for big damage. But the spectacle of a Final Fantasy summon, like the animation of it, is so incredible that you can't look away. Sometimes you forget that you're even playing a game because you have to ask yourself, did that castle just come to life and grow wings and shoot laser beams after this episode goes live i'll be sure to post some of my favorite summon animations from final fantasy to the community discord uh because they're truly something to behold and i'm probably overselling it a little bit because i just love them so much but man they are so cool and one of my favorite parts of the series so all this gushing is to say that if you make your game visually interesting 
the player will be engaged in the same way someone might look deep into a painting. And it doesn't always have to be an over-the-top spectacle. The examples I gave, Mortal Kombat fatalities and summons in Final Fantasy, are kind of that spectacle style of it. And I certainly think that is a great way to do it. But even a simply unique art style can really improve engagement. You might look at a game like Hollow Knight, which of course is engaging for its masterful game design and other things, but artistically, it's also pretty interesting to look at. And so the last way that you might engage your player that I'm going to talk about today is the idea of narrative engagement. I think all of us will be familiar with this because we all have been sucked into a good show and have gotten the narrative engagement like bug. This just comes from simply good writing and telling an engaging story. We won't go too deep into it here because this isn't like a story writing focused episode, but I don't think we can talk about engagement and not mention the grip a good story can have. The setup to a good mystery, an unexpected twist, a cliffhanger, charming character development, all of these things can make for a more engaging experience if done right. And so yeah, if you're thinking about um, ways to improve the engagement of your game, don't count out the story. I think for a lot of people, the story is where they get their their own personal engagement from. Next, I kind of want to kick it back over to the game design side of engagement. And let's talk about the very peak of engagement, or what I'm calling flow state. And I guess I shouldn't say what I'm calling flow state, because other people call it flow state. And this episode, I'll be referring to the very peak of engagement as flow state. Like I said, I'm defining flow state in my mind as the peak of focus and engagement with an activity. You don't think about anything else, even like the passage of time. You are totally involved within the activity that you are doing. Personally, for me, when I'm making a game, actually, like especially a jam game, like a 48-hour jam game, I get in the zone and I get in this flow state where one thought process leads straight into the next and I kind of forget about things outside of that. I forget to eat, time flies by, and I'm just focused on coding and art and game ideas and yeah, I kind of feel like that's the closest thing I've ever come to flow state. But that's kind of for a whole different episode. What we want to talk about and focus is when the player gets into this state Uh, playing one of your games. A good example is somebody going for the nuke killstreak in Call of Duty. If you don't know what the nuke killstreak is, um, it's in Call of Duty when the player reaches, I think it's like 25 or 30 kills in a row, and they call in a nuke and it kills everyone and the game just ends. It's kind of like a crazy feat in Call of Duty, uh, just because you know, you can die really fast in Call of Duty. So getting 25 kills in like the high teens and death, I would say that's a pretty good game. Like if I did that, if I went 25 and 18, I'd feel pretty good about that. Getting 25 or 30 kills straight without dying is just crazy. And yet people still do it. And when I watch the highlights on YouTube, there are some where I think the way that they're achieving this is that they are getting into that flow state. They're getting into the zone. Because this feat, getting this many kills in a row, it requires, like, really insane awareness and reaction time and, like, peak focus on the game. And I think getting into the flow state and getting into the zone allows them to have these attributes. 
if you go watch a new highlight video on YouTube, um, I've noticed there's like two kinds. There's ones where like people have a lot of their teammates are supporting and they're kind of abusing the spawn systems <laughs> and kill streak uh, feedback. And I'm not like downplaying that accomplishment. 25 kills is 25 kills. Uh, but the other kind is the kind I'm talking about. And that's when someone just goes on a crazy kill streak where they're being the aggressor and they're just simply playing better than everyone else. Their reaction time's faster, their awareness is better. And those are the kinds where you can watch someone get into the flow state. Another great example of like players getting into the flow state, I think, is speed running and how people will make like hundreds of consecutive perfect moves um, without losing concentration. And the thing about flow state is that it's usually only something that the top skilled players can access. So you might think to yourself, lol, why do we want to focus so much on flow state if only like the top 1% of the players are even going to be able to do it? This is where the episode's going to kind of dive into the more philosophical ideas, but these aren't my phys- philosophical ideas. Um, if you Google flow state or flow, you'll see that a lot of people get enjoyment and like a great sense of fulfillment about performing a task so perfectly. It just feels good to be in the zone, no matter what it is you're doing. And I think if more players could reach this peak engagement with your game, I think they'll just straight up enjoy it better. And so, yeah, people dropping nukes in Call of Duty and setting world records and speedrunning is really only ever going to be the top 1% of skilled players. Um, But what I'm interested in asking and maybe talking about is is there a way to lower this requirement and make the flow state more accessible so more people can realize the sense of like fulfillment and joy from getting into the zone or the flow state like this? Basically, is there a way to make it so that more of your players get into that peak engagement? And in a lot of ways, peak engagement would be peak satisfaction. So yeah, like I said, this is kind of more of an experimental thought experiment And not something I'm 100% sure of, but I thought I would want to talk about it um, because I kind of attempted some of these ideas in my most recent Ludum Dare game. If you think you have like a really good answer on how to maybe trigger the flow state for players, please come by the Discord and let everyone know. Just post it in general. Um, I think that could generate some really interesting discussion. Personally, I think one way, there's probably a lot of ways, but one way is to lower the bar and maybe trigger the flow state for your players is through rhythm and pattern recognition. The best example I can think of this comes from Guitar Hero. Guitar Hero, in my opinion, triggers that flow state um, idea because it puts you in a rhythm with like the great music and the kind of patterns of the notes, and you just get into like a, I don't know, I think the best word to put it is a rhythm. And that rhythm is really satisfying, and when you do it extremely well, in my opinion, you start to enter that flow state kind of zone. Like it almost works you into a trance. It kind of hypnotizes you and you get lost in it. And the key part about Guitar Hero is this is true for the expert level players and the easy level players. So that's why I think one genre that lowers the barrier to entry for the flow state is rhythm games. And it does this by, like I said, almost hypnotizing you into it. I think Pattern recognition and rhythm are like the core ideas um, why this works, and I think this could be used in other genres 
to varying success. A fighting game, for instance, with really intuitive controls could make you feel like you're in a rhythm when you execute a combo. Maybe this is a good like proponent for having combo assists in your game where if it's not a competitive fighting game, if it's more of like a beat-em-up, Maybe the combos should have a varying amount of difficulty all the way from super easy to super advanced because a lot of fighting games, the combos are kind of reserved for more of the advanced techniques. And I think if you had the full spectrum, including the easy combos, I think this helps the player get into the flow state, no matter their skill level. If we think about platformers, a good platformer might have a certain rhythm to its level design. Think about those levels in Donkey Kong with the barrels that shoot you out like a cannonball. Or maybe the Green Hill Zone in Sonic. They definitely have a rhythm to them that makes it feel like when you do like a couple of successful maneuvers in a row, it just gets you into the zone. And it feels really satisfying to successfully execute those for like a whole level. And I would say pretty much anyone who practices the game a little bit could get that good at it. But I think that's more to just say how good the controls and how intuitive things are in those games. So yeah, if we can learn one thing and maybe if I can present you with an idea, it's that I think rhythms and patterns are one of the keys. There may be other keys, but it's one of the keys that I have identified in lowering that barrier to the flow state, that skill level barrier, and helping your players get into that trance or that level of peak engagement where the game is extremely satisfying. And lastly, I just want to leave you a quote. This quote comes from Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. I think that's how you say it. Um, But Mihaly, as far as in my research, is one of the core people to this idea of flow. And I just want to leave you with a quote that he said that I thought really made this idea clear to me. Mihaly says, Flow is being completely in an activity for its own sake. The ego falls away. Time flies. Every action, movement, and thought follows inevitable from the previous one. It's like playing jazz. And so when considering how your player should feel with engaging with your game... I think your goal should be to make it flow like playing jazz. So we covered some kind of heady stuff today, um, but let's go back over the key points. Engagement is the measure of how into and focused the player is within the game. I think engagement is tied directly to their satisfaction of the game. And for that reason, I think typically you want your games to have high engagement, although there may be some use cases for low engagement. Examples of this would be like idle games or games with more social elements like grinding quests while hanging out um, in a MMO, for instance. Games can be engaging for different reasons, and it's important to make the distinction between engaging games and addictive games. The difference between those two, to me, is that engaging games keep the player's attention while they are playing or wanting to play it, and addictive Addicting games are made to keep the player's attention while they aren't playing and when they don't want to play it anymore. The best way to keep things engaging from a mechanical standpoint is to make sure that your difficulty is not too high but also too low as you want to avoid frustration and boredom. The tolerance for frustration and boredom is dependent on the genre and audience, 
for instance, a hardcore survival game players are usually pretty cool with like punishingly difficult games, whereas people who are playing maybe something like Animal Crossing uh, might not find simple tasks boring, and the more adrenaline-seeking audience probably would. So that is all to say that there's a spectrum, um, and you got to know your audience and genre to figure out where that sweet spot between boredom and frustration is. Making something visually engaging is important and a great way to kind of bolster the overall engagement of your game. Sometimes making something a spectacle uh, can be so interesting that the player just can't look away. A Mortal Kombat Fatality or a Final Fantasy Summon is a great example of this. And don't forget about the power of an engaging story. A good mystery or likable characters goes a really long way. We also talked about the flow state. Flow state is when the player is at peak focus and engagement. It pulls the player in so deep that they can even lose track of time. Oftentimes, it requires the player to be very skilled and to be met with an equal challenge to get into the flow state. However, I propose the idea that maybe you could use rhythm and pattern recognition to lower the barrier on this. Hopefully, if you're successful at doing this, playing your game will be as free and fluid as playing jazz. And with that, I'm going to end the episode... Remember, you can get a hold of me at underscore Zaccavelli underscore. That's on Twitter and Instagram. We have an open community Discord. The link to that will be in the show notes. We're doing our monthly game jam, chugging away at that. It's really fun and a really good way to get a lot better. If you want to become a patron and directly support the show, as well as pick some episode topics, I'll leave a link for that in the show notes. And yeah, thanks for uh, listening. With that, I'm going to sign off. I have been Zaccavelli. Just remember that everybody's gangster until you summon Anima. And I'll see you guys next time. <laughs>